Let us pray. Lord, as we pause now to center our hearts, to center our thoughts and our minds on what you have to say to us this morning, we ask that you clear away any of the distractions that may compete for our attention. Any thoughts that bubble up that will distract us from what your word has to say to us or what your spirit has to say to us, Lord, we just ask that you clear it away. And we ask that as we prepare to read and hear the word that is written, that you will bless the reading and the hearing of it, that these words that were written so long ago, that they will come alive today for us. That they will be infused with the power of your spirit and they will make their way into our hearts and that you will speak to us in a way that only you can speak to us individually and as a body to show us where it is that we could become more Christ-like. We ask that you bless this time that we have now together and in the presence of your spirit. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment And afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of my favorite uh, genres of movies are the westerns, and uh, and I mean the the old westerns. And old westerns for me are, you know, uh, the Clint Eastwood ones, uh, Fistful of Dollars, and and things like that. But e- even some of those that are older than that, movies like Shane, uh, just some there's some great movies in that that genre. But one of the uh, trademarks of that genre is that the cowboys in the westerns a lot of times will come in from out of town. They'll be, um, they'll be this mysterious figure that nobody knows exactly where they came from or where they're going, but they just sort of show up in a time of trouble, and they really help out the, uh, the people there in the midst of their, their issues. One of the things that they always do is they stay until the job is finished. Now, sometimes it looks like they don't, like in, uh, in, in some of those Clint Eastwood movies. He'll be there, and he'll be helping them out, and then when it's showdown, they'll be wondering where he's at. Well, did he skip town on us? Did he leave us here in our, our deepest moment of need? And then, of course, he shows up at the last minute. They stay until the job is finished. And then, when the job is finished, what do they do? They leave. They ride off into the sunset. And that's sort of the, the typical ending to, to a good Western as the cowboy rides off into the sunset. But another thing that happens is when the cowboy rides off into the sunset, you know that the town is in better shape, not just because the cowboy has helped them, but because he has helped them become equipped to deal with things themselves. There are always leaders that are grown up right there in the community that can take over and, and, uh, and, and sort of take charge in case they, they are to meet trouble again. And that's the, the sign of one of the good cowboys, is they identify people in the community that are leaders, and they help grow them into leaders themselves. Now, given all that that I've just said, and given what we just read about Paul, who is leaving Ephesus and, uh, and telling them how he did the best he could leading them, you, you may be hearing this and thinking, well, this sounds like a sermon specifically for leaders, or or especially church leaders. But the truth is, all of us are leaders in some regard. Every one of us. We all have some type of influence on the people around us, for better or for worse, through our actions, through our deeds, through what we give or don't give. We influence other people around us, and by that token, we are leaders. And that's exactly how God intended it to be. You see, when Jesus said, come follow me, he knew that if we followed him, other people would see us following and they would follow as well. And so for those who come behind us, we become leaders for them. Every one of us who claims to follow Jesus, we can think of someone else in our life that followed Jesus closely, that was an inspiration to us. Every one of us can look and see other followers who have done it well. 
And it can inspire us to be followers as well. And then once we follow, when we follow closely, by default, we become leaders for those who come after us. Jesus never meant for followers to be passive in their following. He never once in the scripture said, follow me from a distance. Or follow me secretly. Follow me so that no one else can see you following me. His intention all along was for us to follow him so closely that other people would see our lives and want to follow as well. And so this message, this sermon, and the parting words from Paul here are to be an inspiration for all of us as both followers of Jesus and as people who are called to lead other people to Jesus. So if we look at what Paul says, we can, we can glean some lessons for ourselves from it. First of all, Paul says, I lived among you. That's the first thing he says. You know that for three years I dwelt among you. In other words, I was here, present with you, going through the same things you were going through, rejoicing in the same things you rejoiced in, suffering through the same things that you suffered in. I dwelt among you. And that gives him an authenticity to his message. Because when we are truly present with people, they know it. They realize it. They recognize it. And if we're not truly present with people, then they don't care what we have to say. It makes no difference at all to them. If they can't perceive us as being authentic, if they can't perceive us as being invested in their own lives, ready to live side by side with them, they don't care what we know about the Bible or what we have to say about Jesus because to them it's inauthentic. And all of us have people in our lives, people in the community, people that we come in contact with, that we are called to live side by side with, through the good and through the bad, to share in the sorrow and the suffering, but also in the rejoicing. And when they see that we are living with them, dwelling with them, then they are more likely to believe the gospel when we speak it to them. Walt Longmire is a fictional sheriff in uh, Absaroka County, Wyoming. And uh, in Absaroka, there's an a Indian reservation, a Cheyenne reservation nearby. And uh, Walt Longmire's daughter, Katie, is a lawyer, and she has this, this desire to go be an attorney for the Cheyenne people. And they don't want to accept her. To them, she's just another white person who will probably exploit them and take advantage of them. And so even though her intentions are good, they won't receive her. And then she sets up shop right there on the reservation. She, she opens her office right there on the reservation among them, and she dwells among the people. And as she dwells among them, she faces some of the same Challenges, some of the same struggles, some of the same uh, backlash from, from outsiders that they experience themselves. And in the midst of all this, she begins to gain their trust because she is dwelling with them. She is dwelling among them. Now, this is a fictional story, but, but it's, it's so true in so many ways. Every story that, that I've heard from people out on the mission field, people who have come back from places like Asia or Africa, uh, stories that I've read about, uh, about foreign missions, uh, they, they all say the same thing. That when they first get to the place, they're rejected. They're seen as outsiders. 
And it's a very common theme among, among missionaries. They or go to Africa and a, and a tribe will just completely exclude them. They don't care what they have to say. They don't want to have anything to do with them. And it's only after they've been there a while and gained their trust, only after they've experienced what it's like to live in those conditions, what it's like to be hungry in those conditions, what it's like to get sick in those conditions, what it's like to try to build a community in those conditions, that's when the tribe will start to trust the missionary. And the missionary can then more effectively present the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's authentic. Now, all of us have a mission field. All of us have people around us who we are charged with presenting Jesus Christ to. Are we being authentic in doing so? Can people look at us and say, yes, they are truly in this with me. They are dwelling on this earth right by my side. That's what Paul said. I've been here in Ephesus for three years, and you know that I'm here with you. I've been here with you. And then he moved on. He said, and I've held nothing back in terms of the gospel, in terms of proclaiming the gospel. He said, I have given you the whole counsel of God. Everything I know, I've told you. Now, there's an old humorous saying. Uh, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and self-deprecating where somebody will say, I've taught you everything I know and you still don't know anything. <laughs> the joke being, obviously, you don't know anything either if, if, if they don't know anything. Now, Paul is saying, I've told you everything I know, so now you can know exactly what I know. I haven't held anything back from the gospel. I have presented the whole message to you. That is what Paul is saying here. Are we displaying the full gospel? And what I mean by that is do people see how our words and our actions work together? Because you, you can go wrong on either extreme. Some people will go present the word of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, and then they won't do anything to show that they care. And those are just empty words. And then other people might go into a situation and provide all the love of Christ and all the mercy of God and help somebody, but never once tell them where that love comes from. And what God longs for us to do is to present the whole gospel in word and in deed, in action to show them what it looks like, and to also tell them what it is. Paul says, I held nothing back. I proclaimed the whole gospel to you. And so we, as Christian leaders, as followers of Jesus, and as people who want to lead other people to Jesus, we must also be ready to proclaim the whole gospel in both our words and in deed. Paul also prepared them for leadership. We talked about this a few weeks ago, disciples making disciples, or leaders making leaders. Paul said as he was about to leave, he said, Now, I've, I've been here uh, with, charged with the sacred duty of, of helping you take care of the church, and now I'm leaving as I'm about to sail off into the sunset. Uh, it's, it's your job to take care of the church. It's your job to, to take care of it, to be alert, to make sure that no wolves come in and devour you. And to even be on alert for those here among you who may twist words and try to, to, to bring you down from within. Take care of the church. Become leaders yourselves. That's the message that the cowboys would have given in the westerns. He would have said, as, as much as I would like to stay and help you keep the peace, you've got to take care of yourselves now. My work here is done. And so... 
any good leader knows that in order to lead, you have to to help create and cultivate other leaders. Every single person in this sanctuary will one day leave this earth. And hopefully we'll leave it better than we found it. But hopefully we'll also leave it to other leaders. Other people who can pick up the mantle behind us. And Paul says, be selfless. Now this is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who is willing to give up their life for my sake will keep it. So what it means to follow Jesus is to leave everything else behind, to leave our own selfish concerns and desires behind and follow Christ in a selfless way. And when we follow in that way, we can lead others to Christ in that way. And then finally, Paul says, care for the weak. Now, weak can mean a lot of things. Weak can mean people who are struggling with addiction. Weak can mean people who are sick. Weak can mean people who are dying. Weak can mean people who are spiritually not well. Weak can mean a whole lot of things. But Paul says, don't point your finger at them. Don't shake your finger at them. Don't tell them what they need. Care for them. And he said, this was the message of Jesus Christ. Care for the weak. And so Paul, as he's given this farewell address, he's he's also saying, these are all the things that I've done as a leader. Because leadership, when, when we lead other people to Christ, it's not about us. It's not selfish. It's not for power. It's not for glory. We lead in a way to bring Christ the glory and the honor. And so Paul is saying, that's what I've done. I've been here among you. I've led you. And I'm doing all I can to train you to be leaders as well. Because we all have a sacred job to do. Not just me. We all have it. And right now I'm called to go somewhere else. But you're still called to be here and to be a leader yourself. Until the job is completed. My granddaddy, when he was buried, the thing that was written on his his tombstone, his epitaph, was he did his best. He was a hard worker. He was a a plumber and a self-taught stonemason. And he took pride in his work. And to have that be one of the last things that is said about you, he did his best, that should be the goal for all of us. That we did our best. That we never squandered an opportunity. That we never failed to be an effective leader when the opportunity for leadership presented itself to us. And the opportunity to lead other people to Christ through our words and through our actions, those opportunities are all around us. But we have to look for them. We have to pursue them. And that's what it means to be an active follower of Christ and not a passive one. Paul had done all of these things and he had done them well. And he had taught the Ephesians to do the same. Now he was ready to leave because he was called somewhere else. All of us here today, are called to be right here. And so we know that our job here cannot possibly be done because God has not called us away from it. Are all of us doing our duty? Are we all becoming the active leaders God intends us to be? Or are we merely trying to be passive followers? One of those things is biblical. The other is not. 
We can't follow Christ from a distance. We can't follow him in a way that will not lead other people to him. We must follow him closely enough so that other people see and other people believe and they know how to follow him as well. The day will one day come where each one of us will ride into the eternal sunset. When that day comes, may we all be able to say, I did all that I could do. I held nothing back. I'm leaving this place better than I found it. I did my best. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that there are times in our lives where we have been passive followers, where we have not led with the way that we follow you. And we have not followed you closely enough that we have not shared your love through word and through deed simultaneously. We confess all of this before you now and we ask that you strengthen us for the journey ahead. Lord, we are not riding off into the sunset yet. We all have a job to do, a very important job, a sacred task that you've charged us all with. So we ask that you equip us, that you sustain us, and that you help us carry out this job. That you help us become leaders in the world around us. And that we lead people to the light, the eternal light, who is your Son, Christ Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning comes from the Cokesbury Hymnal. It's hymn number 53, Take My Life and Let It Be. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to to come forward and share that with us. Um, And once again, a reminder, our altar is always open for anyone who wishes to come and spend a few moments in prayer there. But please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 53, Take My Life and Let It Be.